The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Friday, I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line is Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. This is a bonus edition of Fresh Cuts, I guess I should call it, to some degree. If you listen to last week's podcast, I kind of got on my uh, soapbox saying this is this is the end of the line for the football season, Fresh Cuts. Well, listening back to last week's episode, I noticed we went a full hour picking four games, so I figured we could scrounge up one more bonus episode before going in a different uh, content direction until next football season. So that's what we're going to do. So bonus fresh cuts for the thousands and thousands and thousands of fans out there. We'll get into the AFC and NFC championship games, the most interesting Super Bowl outcomes and uh, whatever else pops up our way. What's up, man? Well, man, just um, another weekend ready for some uh, kind of, you know, like you were saying, the last uh, true weekend of football uh, until the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, just taking it, taking it in stride. 
Yeah, dude, it finally kind of hit me because I was like getting together my weekend plans, which I don't have any like huge plans this weekend. But I was like, well, I got to see what time they say game Saturday are. And then obviously looking at it, I was like, damn it, it like it's over. There's <laughs> there's two games Sunday, which I will obviously soak in and eat up. Going to be fantastic. We'll get into those matchups in a minute. But just not having the kind of all day slate of football is uh, quite the reality check because you know, as much as uh, as much as we you know we go through this year, and as much as there were cancellations and postponements, particularly as it pertained to college, the NFL not so much. Uh, it was a hell of a distraction throughout uh, some pretty crazy, crazy other stuff going on. So I will, uh, I'm going to miss the football Saturdays because college hoops just does not really hit the same. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, n- n- it do- it doesn't you know feel the same when we can't uh, handicap a Bengals or a Jets game. You know, it's a uh, uh, it's almost uh, kind of disheartening. Yeah, no kidding. So we'll get into let's first let's go in before we get into these two matchups because it's interesting. But these lines are about the same, but I don't really feel similar about either of these games. Let's rewind to last week. You, I believe, came out with a three and one record from last week, topping me at two and two. I believe our one discrepancy was. I went with the Los Angeles Rams and you went with the Packers, which was the smartest, smarter way to, uh, to play. Although there was kind of a moment in there where you thought uh, the Rams might get it together and cover. I guess we'll start with that game. That was the first game of the weekend. My main takeaway from that game was even when the Rams were in it, it never really felt like they were in the game. Uh, Rogers in the green Bay's offense was just flawless. And I think it was foolish to bet against them because I had been going with them pretty much all year. We talked about some of the rules we had on the podcast is like, who do you trust to cover more, you know, more than a touchdown spread in the NFL Packers chiefs bills. And that one was right at a touchdown, but man, that green Bay offense was, uh, was something to behold because that's the best defense in the NFL, probably in the Rams. And they, they literally couldn't force a stop. I mean, the only thing that stopped them was halftime. They got a field goal right before halftime because the clock ran out. And they almost scored a touchdown on that. It was crazy to watch. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's a good team. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, there's a reason why they're in that spot. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, definitely going to be the MVP. Um, if he isn't, then, uh, you know, I'd like a recount. Yeah, I think he's going to go MVP. Uh, Mahomes put up sick numbers, but we're just so, like, used to Mahomes at this point. Rodgers coming off of, you know, a not-so-great season. They draft the – the quarterback, the Jordan Love story, and all that—it's uh, almost kind of peak Aaron Rodgers. Like you have to piss him off to get him to <laughs> play to another level. But yeah, of all you know, we talked about that game for a while last week, leading up to it, and I was trying to make the case for the Rams. And I was like, look, if Golf can throw okay and they can establish the run, like they've got a chance to win this game outright. And that's why I was kind of betting betting the Rams and felt pretty good about it. Well, I would say two of those things or both of those things happened to some degree. What I was not counting on was the Rams defense, not being able to get a single stop and not being able to pressure Rogers at all without blitzing. Now, Aaron Donald wasn't fully healthy. I think he only played like 58, 60% of the snaps last week, which is way down because he normally rarely comes off the field. But uh, of all the outcomes, I kind of was trying to forecast that game and whether it was making the case for the Rams or the Packers, either one, I, I did not see the Rams really just never getting a stop as part of the equation. That was in that sense, it was probably the most shocking result of the weekend, you know, outside of the Saints game, which we'll get to in a minute. But I, I just didn't see that. I did not see the Rams just not being able to get a stop at all. And 
Rodgers was pretty much perfect because golf was actually pretty good and they did run the ball. Mississippi native Cam Akers was really good in that game, but uh, Rodgers was just basically perfect. It was, it was, it was pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, uh, post game interview. I don't think he had one grain of, of, of dirt on that Jersey at all. So, um, you know, credit to that offensive line and, you know, that's what happens with good quarterbacks and you can protect them and, uh, you know, they can see the field and make plays. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, you look at, you know, Drew Brees situation, you know, he was pressured all game long and, uh, you know, uh, play, uh, played poorly. So um, you got to credit the, the big uglies up front on, you know, any sort of um, um, outcome when it comes to, uh, to that for sure. Yeah, and just, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the Packers were a much better team. And, like, this is not your 20, I guess you would call that 2019, 2020 Packers. Whatever last season's Packers were, where they got out to that 13-3 and record, kind of coasted to the NFC Championship game. But no one really thought they would beat San Francisco. And, of course, they got blown out immediately. This is a different team. I'll actually, as we'll get into these games in a second, I'll put them as probably the prohibited favorite in the NFC, even though that line's a field goal-ish. We'll, again, get to that in a minute. But this is a different team with a different makeup. They're uh, they're really good, and this is r- probably Rodgers' best shot at winning a Super Bowl since, oh, I don't know, maybe one of those runs that Eli spoiled go, where they went into Lambeau and won. Like that, this, is, this is his best shot in quite a while. Yeah, and, you know, they're good uh... – and, the, you know, uh, other than Devontae Adams, I mean, they really don't have any, you know, star players that just come out and be like, you have to double team him, got that guy. But, uh, you know, uh, cr- credit to uh, credit to the Packers. And, you know, remember when Matt LaFour and uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, they, everybody thought they weren't getting along and get, doing this and doing that. It just sounds, you know, just uh, sounds like good drama for TV for sure. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of Goff and the Rams going into the offseason. You thought if Goff played really crappy again, there was going to be some sort of quarterback controversy. There still may be because I'm just he's so limited. You can get to a Super Bowl with him when everything's perfect. We've seen that, but I just I don't know. Maybe they've reached the ceiling there. But in that game, he really wasn't bad. He made some nice throws. He looked healthy-ish. They again, they just couldn't keep up with the scoring because their defense couldn't get a stop. But I didn't really think Goff was very bad at all in that game. I was actually much better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were saying, you don't know if they're going to part ways, but um, you know, got to have. Uh, they've actually kind of found that running game towards the end of the season with Cam Akers, and uh, uh, you know, it's just hard to take up you know another chance on that because he's only you know he can only do so much in the pocket. So you know, honestly, I think that is it. Is it Higby? Yeah, Tyler Higby. Yeah, I mean, they just uh, they they looked a little bit more dangerous with him back there, and I never thought that I would say that whenever you know golf has taken them to a Super Bowl. Oh, you're talking about the quarterback? No, no, uh, that's uh, John Wolford is the quarterback. Yeah, Wolford. Yeah, he got his neck torn off or something, something bad. (laughs) I remember. I'm just. I was just saying. You know, they they looked a little bit versatile. You know, with that guy in there, I'd never think that I would say that. You know, because. Um, golf is a good, I, I think golf will find somewhere. I don't know where he'll find, but I don't think it's going to be with the Rams. I can see somebody like the, maybe the jets taking it, uh, you know, a chance on them or, uh, somebody like that. But, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see it, uh, in Los Angeles again. The next game, you know, so result, it's probably some wishful thinking on my part. I just like watching the Rams play. I like watching Aaron O'Donnell, but you were definitely on the right side of that. They were the much better team. This next game on Saturday night was 
it was like boring, but not boring at the same time. The Bills beat the Ravens 17 to three. I was at a wedding in Jackson. And so I was kind of in and out in terms of being locked in to this game for at least parts of it. And there's so much going on yet. So little going on at the same time. You have Justin Tucker missing field goals. You have them three to three at halftime where you're like, this is playing perfectly into the Ravens hands. This was both of our favorite games last week. Like we could not understand why the bills were at two and a half and why that line was so small, like the Ravens being overvalued. We ended up being right, but it did not play out the way I thought that was a, uh, that was quite the weird game. Um, Tough one for Lamar Jackson. He was, I mean, I know he got hurt. I know he got the concussion that that really sucks. Hope he ends up okay from that. But even outside of that, he, he was bad. And he, I, you know, you knew if you had another performance like this, even after getting his first playoff, win, the questions and the whole off season narrative was going to come back. And unfortunately for him, that's definitely going to be the case. Cause that was kind of the main talking point after the game, they lose 17 to three. He was 14 to 24 for 162, and probably the 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 play of the game, the back breaking pick six in the third quarter. He was uh, just not great, and uh, the Bills the Bills won with quote unquote ease, but that's not how I saw that one playing out in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I you know, I feel bad for Lamar Jackson, but I mean, you know, the uh, kind of the truth has come out on him. Uh, he can only make certain throws. Uh, you know, and it's it's a tough, tough, tough situation for him because he's a great player. I mean, I'm not taking away that he's not a great player, but it's just uh, it's tough whenever you uh, can, you know, only throw those limited throws. And that cornerback literally just sat on that pick six and it just is what it is. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, I, if I'm, I, I'm just curious on who's going to make the move for uh, for Deshaun Watson, uh, because uh, whoever picks him up uh, is going to be immediately a. Uh, Super Bowl contender, uh, and uh, just curious on whenever that goes. But I mean, how long do you keep going with Lamar Jackson at Baltimore? Whenever you know he's uh, you know limited on uh, back there in the pocket. Yeah, I mean he's a league MVP from a year ago. They go eleven and five this year. If you look at the schedule, there's not a whole lot of signature wins on there. It's it's a lot of beating up really bad teams, which they're very good at doing. There's a like the debate with Lamar has gotten so odd because it's almost gotten like political in a sense, but I get the argument that, Hey, get him some receivers. Cause I do think his receivers are kind of crappy. And in that year he won the MVP. They had a really unique set of weapons They had three running backs that were really good and three tight ends that he could throw to to where the receiving core didn't necessarily matter as much. And it, it kind of reared its ugly head this year after they lost some pieces. I get the argument for more receivers, but they don't really throw outside the numbers at all. Like everything they do is in the middle of the field. And like, maybe that's just a conceptual thing. That's part of whoever, whatever that guy, Wink Martindale, I think that's the defensive coordinator, whoever the offensive coordinator, his system. But at the same time, like, what do you hear about NFL quarterbacks? The difference between making them like good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks is what they can do outside the numbers. So is it like a, I can't do it thing. So I don't know. There's so many ways to go on the Lamar Jackson debate. He's electrifying to watch when he runs. I just don't see it as much as a thrower, but uh, I'll, I'll at least, I mean, what he's 23, 24 years old. I'll entertain the idea that he needs more receivers or better receivers, I guess I should say, which I think they'll address this off season. But man, if you bring him in a couple receivers and it still looks like this, I don't know what you do because you win a lot of regular season games, but can this guy really win three or four games in a row to win a Super Bowl? I would probably lean no. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, another thing that you can look at the uh, the difference between, you know, the running and throwing quarterback, like Russell Wilson, he's a runner, but he tries to run away so he can throw down the field. I mean, that one touchdown uh, Seattle had against the Rams in the playoff game, he literally, you know, created space with his feet and then DK just read it and it just, you know, went long. I just think that, you know, kind of uh, Jackson kind of goes towards his feet versus his arm on, you know, those situations. So uh, maybe if he, you know, if he can uh, work on that on the offseason, you know, kind of tr- create space with your legs to, you know, create a, uh, a you know, a downfield, uh, downfield pass deep or something like that or a big play. But uh, like you were saying, that they usually just do tight end dumps, you know, out routes and, you know, flats and um, very versatile to his throwing. But uh, I think if they, you know, you know, get some Russell Wilson uh, video and, you know, show him how, you know, because Russell Wilson does really well with that, you know. Uh, so uh, I think that, you know, there's some still work in progress because of his age and everything. But you've got to uh, be able to, you know, make a play with your feet first, to, uh, you know, to throw down the field to make a big play like that. Yeah, I agree. And it, uh, the other side of that coin is, one, like there's some throws where he's like, where you look at it and you're like, oh, that was actually pretty good. And then others, like I think of that first, first throw in the Titans game where whoever he was throwing to down the field, he, the the announcer was trying to make it not sound so bad, but he it, he kind of did in his own like subtle way. I think it was greasy on the ESPN broadcast was like, he missed that throw by uh, eight yards, probably from where that needs to be. Like there's just throws in there where you're like, what in the hell? Is that, but we also give up on these dudes so soon. I mean, look at the guy he was playing across from Saturday. Josh Allen has two years. You know, the first year you can't really judge him, but you see some limitations. They kind of won in spite of him last year. He was a decent game manager, offered some stuff with his feet, just wasn't very accurate though. And then he shows up this year and looks like a completely different human being. I mean, he's making like Mahomes type throws, he's ridiculously accurate. All they do is throw the ball. Did you know that the Bills ran the ball one time in the first half yeah, of see, this I game? I, I, I wasn't watching it. I was, you know, just uh, flipping it back and forth. Uh, but, no, I did not know that. One time. Their <laughs> leading rusher in this game is Devin Singletary. He, read the, he rushed the ball seven times for 25 yards. All they do now is get out and throw it in five wide and spread it out. And it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But I guess my point on that is, one, Lamar Jackson is young. Two, Josh Allen's probably not the best example because I can't think of another guy to where it's looked like that for two years and then it all of a sudden turns around that dramatically. But the overall point here is we've gotten so impatient with these quarterbacks. You know, back in the, you know, I say back in the day, I'm 25, but like, you know, 20 years ago, you draft a quarterback. He used to basically get four years, min- I'm like pretty much guaranteed four years to kind of prove it. And then if he was really bad, you moved on. But if he showed any problems, he probably got a fifth year that's not really the case anymore. You're talking about benching dudes after two years. And I'd probably caution against that. I'd like to see one more year with Lamar. I guess like next year is going to be very much a prove it year. They'll presumably add a couple of weapons, whether that's free agency or the draft at receiver. And that's kind of make or break, right? I mean, it's unfair to him, but it feels like next year they've got to be really good. And he's got to win multiple playoff games. Yeah. I mean, because you look at the, the Sean, I bring that back, but if Deshaun Watson's at the Ravens, I think the Ravens are, uh, playing the, the Chiefs in the in this game for sure. I mean, it just that's how that's how I think about it. But I, I mean, you'll you'll see Lamar Jackson do some uh, do some. Um, I, I think that you know they'll give him another year. It's almost kind of like the Mitch Trubisky uh, situation. You know, they gave him. Uh, are, do you want to give him another year? No, not really, because uh, 
he really didn't do much. So it's just uh, uh, that's just how it is in the NFL now. There's just so much talent, uh, so many quarterbacks that you know could be starting quarterbacks and you know uh, could be having a chance. And uh, that's why you know it's hard to um, stick with somebody for four four years, much less five years. For sure, and his is such a strange case because I mean, it's like it's it's not like it's like hey, he's come along for four years. There's a league MVP mixed into one of those, and like yeah. the way he plays, obviously, like that's kind of the whole argument. But it's just kind of funny that you're arguing whether you're in and out of on a guy who who won the league MVP the year before. But that's uh, yeah, that's probably just kind of best underscores. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, going, and winning games and everything like that. So I mean, it's not like he's a bad quarterback. It's just um, he's very uh, he's very one dimensional when he gets to uh, certain situations. I mean, last year they had a great year, MVP season, and they played the Titans and the Titans run the ball and control the game and keep him on the sidelines, and you know they lose. So I mean, it's uh, there's certain ways that you know you can uh, you can beat that team, and uh, just you know probably needs to work on the versatility and trying to make plays with his arm, you know, throwing down the field instead of these you know flat routes and underneath. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just it's it's kind of an argument of whether what he's doing is sustainable or not, because obviously it works in short bursts and it, it really kind of baffled teams in 2019. A couple final thoughts on this game before we move on to the next one. I don't know about you, but it's like I deal your friend, your boy over here had a small mortgage on the bills. And the way that game was playing out at halftime, I was thinking, sitting there thinking, oh, damn it. Like this is this is playing perfectly into the Ravens' hands. It's three to three. The Ravens are tied despite surviving a couple of missed field goals from the guy who literally never misses field goals. Like I, everyone I've listened to a couple of podcasts after that game and everyone was talking about like, you knew when Justin Tucker was missing field goals, it just wasn't the Ravens night. And like, as someone who was invested on the other side, uh, as I guess we should put it that way. Uh, it did not feel like that to me at all. I was like, Damn it, the greatest kicker of all time missed two field goals, and it's still three to three. Like I didn't feel great about it at all. I don't know about you, but at halftime I was like, great. Like this, this is going to be some sort of just excruciating defeat. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's always good to uh, put small mortgages on uh, games and not watch them, you know, because you really don't want to know how how you win or you lose. But uh, we'll take the win however we can get it. But yeah, uh, at halftime with it being three to three and Tucker missing those field goals. You're like, man, this is just one Lamar Jackson, 60 yard run, you know, away from them, you know, winning this game. And, uh, but no, I mean, you know, uh, credit the bills defense. I mean, you know, they, uh, uh, holding Lamar Jackson to the, you know, the points they did. Uh, I mean, they should be winning that game every time. Yeah, for sure. So then they get the bills, get the touchdown, uh, pretty quickly out of halftime. It's 10-3. You're feeling decent about it, but then the Ravens are driving down the field, and this is really where the game ends. They, the awful, awful pick six by Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't I don't want to be like, you know, beat a dead horse and be too hard on the kid, but like everything we just spent 10 minutes talking about really is kind of summed up by that one play. It was just an absolutely awful throw. Like, you got to be able to see that guy. He telegraphs it. He throws it right to him, and you can't do that in a playoff game. I mean, I mean, in any game, a hundred and whatever yard pick six is going to change the course of a game, particularly in the playoffs, because it was 17, three was still a quarter to go, but I, that game felt over at that point. And then yeah. he gets hurt, which is a shame. 
But like at that point, that it was like, okay, this game's this game's over. We you caught a break there, Bills backers. But anyway, congrats to the Buffalo Bills going to the uh, AFC title game for the first time in God knows how long. Whatever that last Super Bowl was, I guess nineteen ninety two. And I know this has been talked about before, and we've talked about it as well. But the whole no fans COVID thing, like it really blows with this NFL season because you had the Browns go to the playoffs for the first time and how however long and then this whole bills run two of the greatest and probably most tortured fan bases in sports that just kind of makes it a hell of a lot more fun and they're just not allowed to be there i was glad to see the bills got to have six thousand people in that game that was really cool to see it just it kind of sucks because in a normal year the environment and you know the the snapshots of them i don't know like you know the browns going off to Kansas city and the people gathering around the team playing and all that. Like you don't get the crazy fan shots, which is a damn shame because these are the two of the better fan bases in, in the NFL and really in sports in general. Yeah. I mean, the Buffalo bills has a, have a 30 and 30 on them. So, I mean, you know, it just uh, goes to show you uh, the popularity of that team. And, but uh, yeah, it's tough because uh, I don't know if you saw it uh, Academy sports, they were uh, selling those, um, tables that they jump on and, and break like in front of Buffalo Bill t-shirts uh, at Academy Sports. So, <laughs> it's uh, quite the retail combo. You know, that's uh, so yeah, Bill's Mafia, they're wild and uh, you know, I, I would love to, uh, I mean, Kansas City always, I think they have been one of the ones that sell, uh, they've got a streak of sellouts, uh, I don't know how many years running and uh, it just, it, you know, you look at that game in New Orleans uh, against Buff, uh, Tampa Bay last weekend, uh, that's a totally different outcome, you know, when there, when there's fans there. So it is what it is, but, you know, just glad to have the football, but, um, you know, got, um, got to bring the fans back. You know, I, I know there, I think there was 9,000 at the green Bay game. I, I think I had that or something like that. Um, but man, it's just tough to, uh, see a, a high profile NFL, you know, uh, playoff game. And there's only like, you know, six to 7,000 people in the van in the game. For sure. But congrats to the Bills. I'm looking forward to uh, this this weekend's game. We'll turn the page to Sunday's games real quick before we get into these picks. The the Sunday first Sunday game was odd. It's obviously the Browns and Chiefs. And, like, I don't even really know how to describe this game because it didn't have much of a feel. You didn't feel like the Browns' defense could get a stop early. You thought, okay, you know, this is a 10-point spread that got down to – set. you know this game got down to 7.5 before kickoff? If you had gotten – if you had gotten – action on the chiefs right before kickoff you could have bought that thing down to seven whereas we got it at what 10 10 and a half somewhere in there i can't remember which what number it was i had it written down but i can't find it so there's a lot of late movement in this game and you know it gets to the point where like the browns are kind of halfway in it they're driving right before halftime and then you have the uh the higgins fumble down by the goal line, which I think is the dumbest rule in sports where you extend it towards the pylon. He fumbles out of the end zone. Felt like just a backbreaker. Then they come out of halftime. Baker throws an immediate interception. It's 19 to three. It feels like the game is over. Like, you know, the, they're about to go punch it in to make it whatever the hell the score was, 20, 26 to three or whatever. Then they missed a field goal after getting stopped. And then the game really kind of turned after that. The Browns go down and score. Um, to to everyone that had the Browns minus 10, 
Kevin Stefanski at the time was probably their favorite coach in the world. They're down 19 to three, which by my math is 16 points and scored midway through the third quarter and elected to kick the extra point to make it 19 to 10. I, I didn't understand that one. Did you notice that? Yeah. Well, I actually took a, a live bet on um, Cleveland plus 14 and a half uh, whenever they missed that field goal. So, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, you can get in on the right number on those live bets, but you, they're um, you know they're pretty tricky. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know, just Cleveland. Um, I don't know. Found their um, found uh, found their mo after that missed field goal, and you know went went down, marched down, and you know punched it in. And uh, man, it's just t- it's tough. Um, I-, I think Kansas City's pretty legit. I don't know uh, the the st- the status on. Uh, Mahomes and you know he's a big part because uh who was the guy that came in Chad Henney has been in yeah. the league like 13 years and he threw his first uh, NFL playoff uh pass uh late in the third quarter of the of the of a 14 year career so uh yeah man it was a good game I, I mean I just you know if Cleveland punches it in and doesn't fumble you know it's a different game but uh I thought Cleveland was in the game for uh for the whole time for, for how good uh, Kansas city is, but uh, just is what it is. And uh, you, you know, whenever you come down to fourth and one and fourth and two, and you've got to face that offense, regardless if Mahomes is in, you know, you're, you're going to, uh, it's it, the chances are, you're not going to be able to stop them. Yeah, I agree. And Baker wasn't bad in this game. How they only got the ball because of the way Kansas city was running offense. The Browns only got the ball three times in the first half. They drove it all the way down and got a field goal deep in uh, Kansas City territory. They had a punt, and then they had the drive right before halftime where they basically scored a touchdown, but the kid fumbled going into the end zone. So you're sitting there. They're down 16-3 to or 19-3, to whatever it is at halftime, and you're sitting there thinking, well, they haven't played that bad. Like Baker finishes like whatever for whatever for 204 touchdown and a pick. But, like, I didn't think he was bad at all. I thought he played pretty well. So that was kind of strange. And then to your point, after the missed field goal coming out of the second half, they score touchdown 19 to 10. And then Mahomes gets hurt, who's already got the turf toe thing going on. I'm not sure why they had him running. Um, yeah, the why, is he running, why is he running that play? That's just, I mean, mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't get that on, on third and short either. Like, they, I get it. They don't have Clyde Edwards. He but, like, if Mahomes is fully healthy, I get it. Like, I, I hate it when people are like, why in the world would you ever have him run the ball? Well, I mean, at least like, go like, north, north and south on it. Like, don't, why would you want to go east and west on a third and one, you know, on, you know, on an NFL defense? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they'll be able to stop that. Just quarterback sneak it or something, or, you know, don't do, I mean, I don't know. The guy, I mean, you spent how, many, how much money on the guy's, con- what was his contract? Quite a like, bit. It was like yeah. almost half a billion. Yeah, I mean, so why would you run a east and west uh, third, you know, third and one with your best, you know? So um, I don't know, just a head scratcher, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a terrible play call. Yeah, I just I like I, I get it. I guess if he's healthy, because like you know that's part of what makes him great is his feet. But he's dealing with the turf toe thing. You have nineteen thousand ways you can pick up a third and one, particularly if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You're clicking on all cylinders, and then he kind of gets like not suplexed, but kind of like like pulled over by his neck, and then he gets up, and you have the, always the really scary scene where the guy's knees kind of buckle and he stumbles back down to the ground. It's like well this is over with like in the sense that like you can't bring him back in the game after that, that happening. 
Um, then it turns out it's not really even a concussion. He had some kind of nerve neck thing. No one seems to know exactly what it is. He was in concussion protocol. Doesn't actually have a concussion. Looks like he's going to play this week. But uh, that really changed the game, obviously, because the Browns go down and score. And there was a moment there in this game where it's, what, 22 to 17 with, like, five minutes to go, and the Browns have the ball. And, like, I, my girlfriend does not keep up with sports at all, but I looked at her and was like, this is probably the biggest drive of Baker Mayfield's life. Like, he could go down, like, score a touchdown, win the game, and beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. He's probably never going to get another opportunity like this. And, uh, of course, then they punt, and then the Chiefs did a wonderful job of running out the clock after that. I didn't mind the Browns' punt, but uh, close but no cigar for the Browns. They had a good season. thought they were fine, but I, I was underwhelmed by that drive. I wish they had done a little bit more when they had the ball with four minutes left. That was kind of Baker's moment, and he just he just couldn't do it. Did she, uh, did she re- uh, reply with, oh, that's the progressive insurance guy, right? I, I'm sure. So, no, I, but I was expecting her. If, if she had known who Baker Mayfield was, it would have been through commercials. I promise that because, my God, the guy's in 1,100 commercials. But, yeah, yeah no, I it mean, would, would like, have been through TV. It, it's funny. Like, if you think of insurance, you think of progressive just strictly because of Baker Mayfield. I mean, like, I didn't even know progressive was an insurance company until – um, Baker did all those commercials. So, um, but yeah, good, good marketing tag with uh, progressive for sure. So that game, you know, good. Uh, the chiefs survived um, to the Chad Henney play at the end was awesome where he runs it like 19 yards to pick up the first down or close to it. And they snap it on the fourth and inches when no one thinks they're going to snap it and throw it just ballsy play calling by a team that's already won a super bowl and just kind of brimming with confidence. Uh, but, you know, Cleveland put up a good fight. They covered the spread. That was big for us. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of game. What was, what it was like, it would have been a shame to see the chiefs knocked out with Mahomes out, but a cool story for the Browns. I wouldn't have had a problem either way, but, uh, be that as it may, that takes us to our final game of the weekend before we get to these picks tough, tough way for Drew Brees, career to end. I mean, I, again, I, I grew up in a place surrounded by saints fans. I myself, not a saints fan, uh, not like I've never had any like disdain for the saints. I think they're fine. I've just never been a saints fan, but even I dude watching that at the end on, on Sunday just felt really, really bad. And like, I don't really get that emotionally invested in sports at all, but I really did just feel for drew Brees towards the end. That's a, that's a terrible way for a fantastic hall of fame career to end that that sucked. There's really just no other way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I've always, I've been a saints fan growing up and, uh, one of my workers is uh, from New Orleans, and uh, he's a little bit younger than me. So um, he did. Uh, I asked him about, have you ever heard of the Dome Patrol? Like back in the day with uh, um, uh, Pat Swilling and everything yeah. like that. I mean, this is this is like old school. This is like right. I was I was there for the the guy that had the bag over his head, the ain'ts, everything like that. So <laughs> the peak like, of the ain'ts. Yeah, I mean, like I, at one point, I never thought that the Saints would win a playoff game, much less the NFC championship, much less a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, as of being an old school Saints fan and uh, when they won the Super Bowl, you know, I was just like, so where do I go as a as a Saints fan here? You know, I mean, do I expect, you know, winning championships every year, going to the Super Bowl every year and that sort of thing? And I literally told him, I was like, man, you have to appreciate Drew Brees of what he did before this game ever even happened. I mean, you know, there was a time that he almost didn't come to New Orleans and, you know, just, uh, I'm very thankful that Breeze did choose New Orleans and what he's done with the city and everything like that. And, uh, it just, uh, it, it, it does hit the, hit the, um, 
hits us all a little hard whenever uh, he, you know, gets put out by Tom Brady. And uh, especially whenever we uh, beat Tampa Bay, you know, uh, both times this year. And uh, it just, uh, I think, you know, not having Taysom Hill back there on some, uh, on some running plays uh, kind of, um, kind of, you know, kind of hurt the offense a little bit. And uh, I just, I think that he was hurt all year and just was trying to grind it out and trying to, uh, you know, go out, you know, with a, either an NFC championship or in the or whatnot. But uh, you um, you hate to see that, you know, um, you know, not all heroes come out winners in the end, you know, and sometimes our heroes, you know, fall a little short. But it is what it is, you know, just thankful uh, for, you know, Drew to be, be a New Orleans Saint and he'll be a Saint forever and uh, just tough, you know, because uh, as a fan, you just hate to see that regardless if you're a Saints fan or not a Saints fan. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of I, well put. I mean, it was just kind of a brewing storyline the last really kind of year and a half. It's like, how far can they go with Drew Brees at quarterback? He's just not what he was physically, which no shame in. I mean, the dude's 40 years old. And in this game, it really just kind of manifested itself. It took the took the Bucks a couple drives, but once they kind of figured out that the Saints really just were no threat at all to throw the ball deep or over the top. I mean, how the one play they did it was with Jameis Winston at quarterback, and it went for a touchdown. But just the fact that they were there were no threat to throw it over the top really changed the course of that game because the Bucks started flying around. They did not have to worry about the deep ball at all, and that really just did change the way they play defense. And honestly, Brady wasn't very good in this game either. Obviously, he looked like he had it a little bit more than Breeze did, but he wasn't great in this game, and it just came down to those two turnovers in the second half. I mean, it just... Just a tough, tough way to go out. Um, you know, you felt like this is it for Breeze, but what an amazing career. I mean, he, he literally saved the franchise from moving somewhere else. I, I 100% believe that to be the case. But Bucks advancing to the NFC Championship game with 42-year-old, 43-year-old, however the whole hell old he is, Tom Brady. I, this is unbelievable. And I guess that's as good a way to any to segue into the board this week. We'll take a break real quick, and uh, tell me what's going on at the store this week before we get into these matchups real quick. Well, I mean, you know, um, we got a bunch of fresh fish in today. I've got uh, amberjack. We got some salmon. We got some uh, really nice-looking snapper. Um, We got plenty of scallops. Uh, And then, uh, of course, all the beef that we have in the meat case. I've got the Lane Train Special, a five- or six-ounce bacon wrap filet for 10 bucks, And then my mom's got all our mushrooms ready to go, so... Uh, got that ready, and um, Zach made some boudin. We've got some regular pork boudin, and we've got some crawfish boudin. So uh, that's some um, something uh, that we always have, but we never we hadn't had it in a little bit. So um, yeah, man, uh, always rocking up there at LBs for sure. Check him out, LBs University Avenue, across from Kroger. This is the peak of the football season. You're want to go throw something on the grill this weekend? Uh, kick back and soak in these final two games before the Super Bowl. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. The final two games, the final uh, multi-game board of the 2020 football season. Let's get right into it. First up, who's the, let's see, we got the, who's the one o'clock game? Hold on. I just had it up. This is great podcasting. There we go. Back up, back up. The 205 game, excuse me. Is Bucks Packers? That's as good of a place to start. As great of a segue. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, forty-three years old. The Green Bay Packers are minus three and a half. I'll let you go first on this one. Where are you going to go? You know, um, 
uh, you, you'll think I'm crazy here, but I'll, uh, if you have an alternate line on your uh, on your bet sheet, I would take it. I think Green Bay just uh, rolls here. I just think that Tampa Bay uh, is just kind of uh, like you were saying. Tom Brady's 43 or whatever, however many years he is, but I just uh, I just don't see Green Bay being stopped. I'll definitely take the three and a half, but a uh, little small play on that alternate line and try to double up your money on this, I think. I don't think you're crazy at all. I absolutely love that play. I think the um, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are being a little overvalued here because they go into the Dome, they have the great win. Props to them. Like, I mean, that was a hell of a win. That was what tough playoff teams do. But at the same time, I think they're being overvalued a little bit because I just don't think they're that good. I think Green Bay as a football team is on a whole other level. I think Rodgers is on a whole other level. I Maybe not quite as confident as you. I'd probably buy it down to three just so you don't get screwed at the end. But I, I think I, I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. I, I think Green Bay rolls them. Maybe I'm wrong. It would be a hell of a storyline to watch. I think it would be awesome to watch Brady and go ahead and beat Aaron Rodgers at 43 years old just to remind everyone that, uh, yeah, you can end that conversation. Like, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. But uh, I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't see it. I, I think Green Bay is much, much better than Tampa Bay, and I like them to roll as well. Um, I guess the case for Tampa in this game is – my thing is, is they're just not going to get the three turnovers they got last week. You're not going to turn Aaron Rodgers over – three times. You're probably not even going to turn them over multiple times. It's going to be hard as hell to get one. And they needed all of those turnovers to beat the saints last week. And I just don't think they're getting that this week. I, I, I don't. And so I think green Bay rolls them. I don't think they can get enough stops. I agree. I mean, this, this has to me like 42, 17 or something written all over it. I, I yeah. really like, like green Bay here. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I would uh, dabble in that alternate line and try to uh, double up your money on this. If there's any, uh, time that you could uh, uh, feel good on a, on a play on this, uh, I think it's the time. I mean, you know, uh, not taking away anything from Tom Brady, and he is one of the, you know, if not the greatest, but, shoo, um, you know, just the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing and at home minus three and a half, um, I, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I agree. I don't think um, – yeah, I mean, I think that just kind of is what it is. I, I – I, I don't know. I was trying to, when we were prepping for the podcast, I was trying to come up with a case for the Bucks. And I just don't have one. I mean, maybe Brady just pulls one out of the bag and has one of those flawless Brady games of, I mean, I say of old hell two years ago where they go into Kansas City and play literally a perfect game to have a chance and win that AFC championship game in Mahomes' first year. But I just don't see it at this point. It's not the Patriots. It's the Bucks. They're going to make a mistake. They're not going to play like a playoff game. And one turnover for the Bucks in this could be a game ender for them, to be completely honest. So I'm with you. I just uh, I don't see it. So we're both on the Packers big there. And then we'll head to the second game, which I think I'm a little more excited about. Um, Buck, excuse me. The Chiefs are minus three at home in Arrowhead against the Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I'll let you go first again. Where are you going on this one? Man, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, Kansas City is just uh, is too, uh, you know, too strong, and they are strong, and uh, but they can be beat, and um, for some strange reason, this Buffalo team's just um, got some kind of magical thing going on. You know, I know it's uh, kind of been a crazy year with 2020, and uh, it is a new year, but you know, why, uh, why not take Buffalo money line, or just you know, uh, you know, not not going to get paid a lot on it, but. Um, you know, just try to take a shot on it. Um, they've played good. 
their only losses are to, you know, some really good teams. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't see why it can't be Buffalo's year this year. Um, I'm not saying that Kansas City uh, couldn't win by, you know, two touchdowns, but, you know, take a shot with it. I, I'm, I'm going to take Buffalo here. I'm going to do the plus three and just try to take the shot on it. This is purely a rooting interest for me. I like the Buffalo Bills storyline. I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes at all, but I, like some fresh blood would be nice. Like, you know, I'd like to see Buffalo cap this off. Can you imagine a Bills Super Bowl? That would be incredible. I'm with you on this one. This is a coin flip game to me. Can the Bills actually go and score with the with the Chiefs? Because that's really the misnomer in this whole thing is everyone talks about, you know, to beat the Chiefs, you have to go ball control and keep it out of Mahomes' hands and all that. That's not really true at all. Like the teams that have beaten the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes has only lost nine times as an NFL starter. And in pretty much every single one of those, it's been a shootout. So the way to beat them is actually to score 35 points and just kind of ho- hope that's enough. And I think the Bills are capable of doing that. I don't think they played a great offensive game um, collectively since they've gotten to the playoffs. I think they kind of put it all together. I'm going to go Bills plus three as well, because why the hell not? Bills Mafia. Why not? It'd be fun. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, I, I, I don't see why Buffalo can't get out to, you know, a 14-7 to lead and, uh, you know, just kind of hang on. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what the situation is with Eric Benemy. Uh, and I don't know why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job, but uh, maybe Andy Reid's going to retire and he's going to take over KC. I mean, I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I just, for some strange reason, um, you know, this Bills team is, has, you know, keep knocking on the door on me and, uh, you know, I'm finally going to answer it. So uh, I like, I like Buffalo here to, uh, to pull the upset. Yep. I like it too. I, I think that would be, an incredible storyline. I think it's going to be awesome. I hope this game turns into the shootout. We uh, we all think it's going to be because I think that's the the path for Buffalo to win the game. So, although I mean, this one is just again, like you said, maybe throw it money line, whatever. Just kind of a coin flip to me. I mean, I, I could see no outcome in this game would surprise me. Maybe if the Bills blew them out, that would be a little surprising to me. But this is probably the one I'm most looking forward to. So, both on Bills plus three. Both on Packers minus three and a half. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's that's the slate this weekend. I'm looking forward to both of these games. Um, we've reached the end, dude. We've reached the end. We'll obviously pick the Super Bowl, but uh, the end of the football season as we know it. I'm uh, glad we made it through. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were saying, uh, we at one point we weren't even thinking that we'd have uh, two or three games, and you know, we finished the whole NFL season with playoffs and an extended playoffs. So. Uh, you know, credit to uh, to everybody out there. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things. We can't be without sports. You know, it's, it unites us as people uh, and got to have the sports. And uh, it's, uh, it's good that uh, we, we got a, a whole full season in this year. For sure. Check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go get all of your grilling needs done there for the games this weekend. I appreciate everyone listening and following along this season. We'll have a podcast slash content update for you soon. But uh, I got to run. I know you got to do, got to get out of here too. For uh, everybody, hope everyone has a safe and happy weekend and uh, enjoy the football. Greg, I'll catch you next time. Yeah, man. As always, y'all be safe out there and have a good weekend.